listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. My name is Kevin. I'm the high school minister here at Northside. Absolutely love serving, working with teenagers, helping them follow Jesus. And if you're just joining us, or maybe you're new or have missed a couple weeks, we are in the middle of a series that is called Do What Jesus Did. The idea behind this series is that we would model our lives after Jesus, where we want to be like Jesus, have the heart and spirit of Jesus, but we would also model our ministry after the life of Jesus. In other words, we want to make disciples in the same way, in the same pathway that Jesus made disciples. And if you've missed a few weeks in this series, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to help fill in some of the gaps because they do build on each other every week just kind of throughout this series. Well, this has been an exciting time for me also because we have been preaching the very same things in our high school worship service Uh, That's just a little bit down a little walkway right there where we are challenging students to do the same things, to be disciple makers. Uh, We've talked about how every time a student sets foot uh, on their school campus, that they are entering the harvest field to see it as an opportunity to share the gospel with people who are lost and desperately in need of Jesus. And we spent the last several weeks working through what it means to share the gospel and then giving students time to actually understand how to share the gospel and practice doing it themselves. In fact, one of the tools that we spent a lot of time on that we've taught in here before is the three circles tool uh, that's used to share your faith or share the gospel with someone else. And so we went through it, and then the next week we let students practice it. The next week I said, all right, if anybody could come up on stage and do this for me right now, I have a seven brew gift card for you. It's amazing how motivating that is for students to share their faith. And so I had several takers, you know, on it. I only had one gift card though. Uh, but they came up, they did the three circles without any, any help. And, you know, it wasn't a perfectly polished gospel presentation. No, but they did it and they knew what it was to communicate their faith in Jesus to someone else. Uh, which I think is just awesome. A few weeks ago, I had a, another student come up to me. They had a three-by-five card with the three circles on it. And uh, they said, hey, I just want to let you know, I shared this with my friend at school today. I talked to them about this. I shared this with them. And I said, how did it go? And they're like, well, you know, it went okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, hey, you did what you were supposed to do. You shared the message of Jesus. You're scattering the seed of the word of God. And then it's up ultimately to them and to God to let it grow. And so I've been super excited about this series because it's working with our students and they're realizing that they are disciple makers too. And I know that many of you have been on the same journey with us. Uh, you know, I know Tara Harris sent this in from her gym. She was uh, actually praying to God to take some weight off of her shoulders, and she immediately thought to draw the three circles in front of the squat rack uh, at the gym. So I guess while people are doing squats, they could look and see what it means to be a follower of Jesus at the same time. <laughs> you know, making disciples is the very mission that Jesus has given his church. So if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then you are also part of this mission of making disciples. 
In fact, Jesus makes it very clear to us in Matthew chapter 28, after he died and was resurrected again before he ascended to be with the Father, this is what he tells us. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. We are to make disciples by going and baptizing and teaching everything else. And we do it with the power and the presence of Jesus who is with us always. And so we've been unpacking what it means to carry out this mission. Specifically, what it means to follow Jesus' example in the way that he made disciples. And we've been using this graphic called the four fields to understand how Jesus exactly made disciples and then released them to make more disciples in his name. And so we've been prayerfully talking and working through what it means to enter the harvest field. We've been talking about what it means to share the gospel, what it means to make disciples, to form uh, churches, and ultimately to raise up leaders. And so last Sunday, as we were unpacking this, we were in the the field of churches and what it means to form churches, healthy churches, uh, of Christians meeting together. And we learned the essential elements that make up a group of healthy Christians that come together as a church. Healthy churches are made up of people who believe and repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus. We gather, we learn from God's word, we practice communion, we pray and worship, we focus on making disciples, and we raise up leaders to continue the process. And we do all of this in the context of love and unity for each other in Jesus. Well, I believe what we are going to talk about today is probably one of the hardest and best parts of being a disciple maker, and that is raising up leaders. And so I want you to repeat after me. We will raise up leaders. Say it with me. We will raise up leaders. I want to start off by playing a little game together. You probably played this as a kid. It's called Simon Says. Where someone says Simon Says and you do an action. If you don't say Simon Says and you do the action, you know you're out of the game. Uh, I'm not going to make it too crazy. You can stay in your seats, all right? But Simon Says, touch your chin. Simon Says, touch your ear. Simon says, touch your forehead. Simon says, touch your chin. All right, we're going to go a little faster. Simon says, touch your nose. Simon says, touch your ear. Simon says, touch your chin. (laughs) What happened? What's modeled is followed. What's modeled is followed. Anyone who has ever had children knows that this is true. In fact, one of the things that I do in the mornings... Uh, before I, I head out uh, to work, is I'll, I'll typically eat breakfast and then uh, pack up my lunch before I head out, before the kids head out for school. And I'll uh, grab my backpack, I'll put my lunch you know, bag over my shoulder, and I'll go around and say goodbye to everyone in the family, giving hugs and kisses to my children, uh, to my wife, before I head out for the day. Well, it was pretty adorable. My two-year-old, little red-headed, curly-haired girl... Uh, went over to the drawer where the lunchboxes were a couple weeks ago, and she opened it up, and she grabbed my lunchbox out, put it over her shoulder, and she said, Daddy, bye-bye. And then she went around giving hugs to every person in the family before she got to the door and realized she couldn't open it. You know. Uh, but what's modeled is followed. 
What we model for other people ultimately is followed. It's true for children, but it's also true in our faith. And our goal in being a disciple maker is to model our faith for another person or pour our faith into another person so that they will do the same thing for someone else. We want our faith to be reproduced in their life so that they will then reproduce their faith in someone else. If we can go back to that graphic again. I think this is why we put raising up leaders in the very center of these four fields. It's because this is something you have to continually do. It's not the fifth step. It's something that happens continually. So it's not like you go through all four fields and then we will raise up leaders. It's you raise up leaders while you're in these fields themselves. So what does this look like? When you're going on a prayer walk or entering the harvest field, you need to invite other Christians to go with you to train them how to do this. When you share the gospel, you you need a person who's with you learning how you share the gospel so they can share the gospel with someone else. When you gather for churches, you need someone with you who you're teaching what it means to lead a small group of Christians in these ways of what it means to be a church. We are pouring our lives into someone else so that our faith would be reproduced in them. Time and time again, we see this model of raising up leaders happen throughout the early church especially in a relationship between Paul and Timothy. You see, as Paul was traveling and planting churches, he invited this young man from Lystra to join him. And it wasn't just a tag-along, but it was a, I want you to learn what I'm doing so that you can do it too. And Paul would take Timothy under his wing. He would pour his life into Timothy. And we see the close nature of their relationship uh, in Paul's writings throughout the New Testament. He calls Timothy a brother. He calls Timothy beloved and faithful child in the Lord, co-equal in the Lord's work. He calls him son in the passage that we're going to read today. Paul is Timothy's spiritual father, and Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. And as Paul writes the words that we're going to read today to Timothy, I think it's important to note the context in which he writes them. Paul finds himself in prison because of his faith in Jesus most likely he's just a few weeks away from his death. And when you look at Paul's life, it's incredible the level of suffering that he would go through for people to know Jesus. Multiple times he would be beaten and abused and uh, even gone through just horrible circumstances, treated less than human and multiple times just because of his faith in Jesus. And as Timothy is following Paul's example he's starting to endure the same hardship that actually Paul has endured. And so Timothy most likely comes to this place and he's tired, he's discouraged. He doesn't want to necessarily go on making disciples. And so Paul writes to encourage his spiritual son Timothy because he knows how hard it is to raise up leaders. So I'd like for us to read, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7. through 7. Would you guys be willing to stand with me if you're able, uh, just as we read this passage? Second Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in, Jesus, or in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should first uh, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. You guys can have a seat. Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be investing in other people so they can do what you are doing. You need to be investing in other people so that they can be disciple makers in the same way that you are a disciple maker. That they can teach in the same way that you teach. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, don't give up on this mission. Don't give up on it. I think many Christians read this passage of Scripture and we wrongly assume it only applies to ministers or people in position and authority in the church. When we hear Paul talking about training people and raising up leaders, it can be easy to think, well, that's the minister's job. It's their job to train up disciple makers. And I think it's important to realize that there are different levels of leadership. True, some leadership is positional leadership. Someone's in that role to lead in that way. They have the title and they have the authority. But I think at its core, leadership is best understood as influence. It's influence. Now, before some of you sit back and go, Whew, I'm glad I get a pass on this one. I'm not a leader, so I can just think about where I want to go eat lunch after this. You know, here's what I want you to know. You are a leader by this definition. There are people in your life that you influence even though you may not be in the seat of control in their life, you influence them. They could be a coworker, a family member, or a friend. You have influence. Uh, I see this most oftentimes uh, between teenagers and parents because there is a shift that happens, right? Uh, when a kid becomes a teenager between influence and control. And especially when teenagers are learning how to drive. Because here's what happens as a parent when your teen learns how to drive, is all of a sudden, I don't have the controls to the car anymore. I get to ride in the passenger seat, and I get to use influence to help them learn how to drive. And sure, there are all kinds of scary moments. If you were to talk to my parents, my mom, she would grab that handle so many times, and I can't tell you how many times she stomped on that imaginary brake that's in that passenger seat as I was learning how to drive. But you use influence in that moment, even though you're not in the seat of control. Your goal is to reproduce your skill of driving into their life so that they know how to drive. And I want to encourage you today to see the importance of your influence in the lives of people around you. And that you can raise up disciple-making leaders using influence. So Paul encourages Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus to raise up leaders. Now, I could preach a whole nother hour on that simple statement of what it means to let the grace of Jesus strengthen you in this journey. That it's not focused on the fruit of what God does, but rather it's focused out of your relationship with Jesus that you choose to take on the hard task of raising up leaders. But I think it's also important for us to realize what he's telling Timothy to do. He says to entrust to reliable people who be qualified to teach others. I want us to understand that this idea of raising up leaders, it's not for the select few, 
but it's actually an essential part of what it means to follow Jesus as a Christian. Raising up leaders is essential. Throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, you cannot escape the command of God to reproduce your faith for the benefit of someone else or the benefit of the next generation. Raising up leaders is not for the elite, you know, just those in leadership. It is a command that God gives every one of his people. And so you are called to raise up leaders. And when we embrace this command as something that I personally own, here's what happens. It moves from what I would call addition math to multiplication math. So let me take you on just a little math lesson with me for a moment. In our very first message in the series, Wayne wanted to draw out the need for us to reach people and to see people uh, in need of Jesus. And he said, there are 303,663 people in Greene County, Missouri. He said, let's say that 30% of them were in a relationship with Jesus. And honestly, that percentage could be a little high. But it leaves 212,564 people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. Now, if this was all on me and I was able to make two disciples a year, two disciples a year, where it's like, okay, Kevin, you go disciple Greene County, it would take me 106,282 years to disciple the population of Greene County. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to live that long. All right? It's not going to work like that. God had something else in mind. But if I raise up leaders that in turn also raise up leaders, it changes from addition to multiplication. Because if I train two people to make disciples, and then those two people train two other people to make disciples, and those people train two other people to make disciples, here's what happens. It's called an exponential curve, by the way. Here's what happens. It would take us 18 years to disciple the entire population of Greene County. 18 years. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited and passionate about doing this work. It also gets me excited and passionate about owning my responsibility, my personal responsibility to say, I need to be a disciple maker who makes disciples, who reproduces their faith in other people. There's a multiplying effect on your efforts when you make disciple makers, when you raise up leaders. Paul tells Timothy to entrust the work to reliable and faithful people. Those of you that are micromanagers, control freaks, this is hard because it means you've got to let go of things. You've got to release the ministry to people. I learned this several years ago. We would take a, our staff is encouraged to take a spiritual retreat day where we spend time refreshing our hearts with the Lord, just reevaluating our priorities, and ultimately uh, just, just replenish our spirit for ministry, because ministry is very difficult. And uh, while I was on a spiritual retreat day several years ago, one of the practices that I would go through is I would write down all the things that I was doing that I thought someone else could do at least 80% as well. So what are the tasks that I'm doing that someone else could do 80% as well? And then the thought behind that was, who can you raise up to do those very things then out of that kind of list? And I thought it would be a great idea to come to my student leadership team and tell them or just ask them, hey, what am I doing that you think you could do at least 80% as well? Well, this opened the door for them to thoroughly roast me um, in multiple ways. 
Um, but one of the things that was mentioned is one of the kids was like, well, Kevin, I can at least preach 80% as well as you do. I mean, that's not that hard, all right? And uh, we all kind of laughed and joked about it. But after that kind of meeting, I said, no, honestly, what do you think about that? Like, would you be open to preaching or learning how to preach or stepping into what it means to preach? And all of a sudden, it got very real for him and uh, for his friend that were like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Like, I was totally just kidding in that moment. But here's what it led to. It led to the development of uh, some preaching classes that we've done where students would meet with our preaching staff and uh, they would go through multiple classes with them to develop a message, to actually put forth effort in understanding what God's Word says and then communicate that Word from the stage to their peers. And that we've done this four or five times now with uh, people who are interested. And are they extremely polished preachers? No, not in any way. But they communicate God's Word. And what I love about seeing people and releasing the ministry to people, especially when it comes to preaching, is really twofold. First, I noticed they had a lot more sympathy for me in preaching uh, after they went through that whole process and put together a message. But second, they learned how to carefully evaluate God's Word and say, what is the truth in this that I need to help people follow? We need to entrust the work to others. We need to release the ministry to others. So I want to give you a few ideas of what this may look like for you. Like maybe you've started praying for people in your office to come to know Jesus. And maybe it's during your lunchtime, you've made a list of coworkers that you just continually pray for and you're heating up your lunch and then you spend some time praying for them while you're on your lunch break. Maybe instead of just you praying, you identify who else is a Christian in this office that I can actually invite to be praying with me for these people. Maybe raising up leaders for you in that moment is just growing a heart for people to know Jesus. Uh, maybe you're a small group leader and you've been a small group leader for a couple decades now. And uh, maybe every week your group looks to you to lead the Bible study, to ask the questions. Raising up leaders for you may be inviting someone else to lead that time. Will they do it as well as you? Probably not. But that's okay. That's how we learn and that's how we grow. And so maybe for you, raising up leaders is inviting someone else to do the very thing that you're doing. Maybe you're a parent. And instead of just reading your Bible by yourself, maybe you decide to listen to it while you take your kids to school. You include them in your pursuit of Jesus. You raise up leaders for the next generation. Let me give you another opportunity. Tomorrow night we will host Trunk or Treat on our property, and there will be a lot of people coming to our church from our community uh, just to have a good, safe time with their kids. And we're going to have people that are prayer walking through the crowds just saying, is there any way that I can be praying for you? How can I care for you? How can we be praying for you? And encouraging people just to have spiritual conversations. And if you are interested in doing this, uh, please contact Wayne, our, our lead minister, and let him know I'd like to do this. But maybe instead of doing it by yourself, you take someone with you to learn how to do this, to take that step of faith. Raising up leaders is essential. And we have to be people who release the ministry to reproduce our faith for the benefit of others and the benefit of the next generation. Paul goes on to tell Timothy what I think many of us come to realize when you get started in this journey is that it's going to be hard. In fact, he says raising up leaders is just 
It's hard work. And Paul uses three illustrations to describe what it's like to raise up leaders. This is a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. He says, join with me in suffering as a, as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. Compete as an athlete to get the crown. Or the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And Paul is encouraging us to press on even though it is difficult. Raising up leaders is hard work. And I think that's why Paul says you have to be like a soldier who just focuses on the mission and tunes everything else out. He says, just like a soldier hears their commanding officer and says, that is what matters most in the moment. I don't get tangled up in civilian affairs. I focus on the mission. That's what we need to do when it comes to raising up leaders. In our family, it wasn't too long ago that uh, my, one of my children uh, was having trouble focusing on the task at hand. I know this may surprise you as a parent. Maybe your children never struggle with this. Um, but my, my children do it at times. And uh, there was one time where I went in and I said, son, you need to go take your shower because it's time to get ready for bed. And uh, he said, okay. And so then he went into his room and he was supposed to get his jammies and go to the bathroom, take a shower and, you know, get ready for bed. Well, he went into his room and I went in there 10 minutes later and he was playing with Legos and reading a book. And I said, son, you need to get your jammies. And he's like, oh yeah, sorry, I just got distracted. And so then he goes, gets his jammies. He goes into the bathroom, turns on the water and it's running for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm like, he should be like done by now. And so I walk in, open the door and he's like laying on the floor. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, it was cold. I'm waiting for it to heat up. I'm like, there is steam flowing from the shower right now. It is plenty warm enough for you to get in. Uh, But isn't it true that we all get distracted? We all get distracted. We all get off course in some ways. I think this illustration of a soldier focusing on the mission is so important for us as we think about what it means to carry the mission of God out. That we can get distracted by our different pursuits in life, our desires for certain things, or the pleasures of this life. That we forget the reason, the mission that God has given us is to make disciples. And we have to have a laser focus on that, especially when it gets hard. We had a kid in our ministry uh, not too long ago who's convicted of starting spiritual conversations. And so he wanted to start a spiritual conversation at his lunch table. Uh, which was a hard, I mean, that was a hard field, I'm not going to lie, because uh, I know who he sits with at his lunch table. And so he decided, uh, I'm going to start a conversation about the afterlife. And so he's sitting at his lunch table, and he's like, hey guys, what do you think happens after you die? And I was like, dude, I'm so excited you asked the question, that you started the conversation. How did it go? And instead of excitement from his voice, I got, dude, I crashed and burned. It was so bad. It was so bad. And, uh, and he went on to tell me no one was interested in talking about that. They thought he was weird and all this kind of stuff. And I just told him, I was like, man, what matters most is you're doing what God has called you to do. You're throwing out seed. You're growing hearts to open the conversation for spiritual things. You can't control people's reactions, but you can focus on the mission that God's given you. Paul tells Timothy to do the hard work of raising up leaders like an athlete training for the prize. An athlete has to do the hard work of training in order to receive the prize in the competition. There are no shortcuts in training. Anyone who works out will tell you this. 
Like imagine with me for a moment that it's your goal to do a marathon. You want to get that prestigious 26.2 sticker on the back of your car as you drive around, right? That's what you want. And so after a quick Google search, you realize that there's a race in a few months. And so you sign up for it. You go buy the new shoes, the new running shorts, the little energy things that marathoner, you can tell. I'm obviously not one of these people, all right? But you go get all the stuff. You work up your training plan. And for the first week, it goes really, really well. But then it starts to get hard, right? The enthusiasm starts to wane a little bit. And it rains one morning when you wake up and you're like, I don't want to get my new shoes dirty. You know, I'll do it later. You start to think, oh, I've got an early morning meeting. I don't want to be you know, sweaty and gross for that. I'll do it later. And so you just start to push it off time and time again until you realize that the race is tomorrow. And I'm not ready for it. There are no shortcuts in training. In the same way, there are no shortcuts in training when it comes to disciple-making. Because the faith that you have yourself is the faith you will reproduce in someone else. And I think many of us struggle with this idea that I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not talented enough, or I'm not a close enough follower of Jesus to really reproduce my faith in someone else. I think that's why Paul says at the beginning of this passage, be strengthened by the grace in Christ Jesus. Because it's not on you. It's on what Jesus does in you. And so the training that we do as a follower of Jesus ultimately is the training so that we have an authentic faith to pass on to someone else. Lastly, Paul tells Timothy to do the hard work of raising up leaders like a farmer who is persevering in the field. Man, farming is hard work. If you are a farmer in here, I'm just going to tell you, I have the utmost admiration for you. My grandparents were dairy farmers for several decades. And uh, that is extremely hard work because you wake up every morning with the task of growing a crop. You go to the field, you prepare the soil, you plant the seed, but it doesn't end there. There's a process to cultivate a crop and making a disciple is more than just, just sharing the gospel with someone. It's actually having conversations of what it means to follow Jesus in your faith. So some of you are like, man, I want to reach my coworker for Jesus. And I'm like, that's awesome. But it's going to take a whole lot more work to disciple them. And our goal, again, is not converts, it's disciples. Raising up leaders is hard work, and we have to focus on the mission, be intentional about our own training while persevering even when we don't see the growth in people. And you might ask, if it's this difficult, why do we do it? Why do we work this hard? Because raising up leaders has great rewards. In fact, I would say it has incredible rewards. Paul ends by telling Timothy, you need to think about these things, Timothy. Like, may the Lord give you insight to what I'm telling you right now. And I think Paul's indicating to Timothy that the work is worth it. You see, I think many of us show up on weekends and we're aware of the great movements that God is doing through our church and through our community. We celebrate stories on almost a weekly basis of people coming to know Jesus. We're encouraged of stories of how teenagers are sharing their faith with friends. And I think there's an awareness of what God is doing all around us. But we can easily rely on other people to get the job done. We think someone else is going to do this. Maybe we're in awe and celebrating what God's done in the lives of people, but we start to remove ourselves from the very mission that God calls us, which is being a disciple maker. And I just want to encourage you, 
Live out what God has called you to do. In my prep for this message, I ran across a quote from a commentator that I think aptly describes the rewards that we get even though there is hardship in them. He wrote this. He said, Beyond warfare, there is a victory. And beyond the athletic effort is a prize. And beyond the agricultural labor, there is a a crop. And I just want to encourage you that there is a goal that we are headed towards that is with God forever. And so maybe for you, you've been investing in a person for years, praying for them, talking with them, encouraging them. And you feel like, man, I'm just not getting anywhere. The conversations have faded over time. Interest has faded over time. And God's encouragement to you today is to press on. To keep doing the hard work of making disciples. To keep enduring. It is worth it because there is an end to this journey. And ultimately, it's Jesus. Maybe for you, your kids are rebellious. And it just keeps coming out over and over again. And you're just tired. You find yourself in Timothy's shoes where you're trying to disciple your children and you're just tired because it's hard work. God's encouragement to you is to press on. Keep pointing them towards Jesus. Maybe you're talking with your roommates and and they're tired of hearing about Jesus all the time and you feel like, man, I'm just not getting anywhere with them. God's encouragement to you is to press on. Keep throwing the seeds of the gospel out there because God will start to grow them in their life. Maybe for you, it's your coworkers. It seems like they aren't open to any kind of spiritual conversation. Press on. Keep praying for them to know Jesus. Why? Because the reward is worth it. See, here's what happens. When you start to see the growth of faith in someone else's life, it is a beautiful place to be. Because the fruit in their life being transformed by Jesus also has in it the seed for someone else to be changed by them. We need to see our efforts not as addition, but as multiplication. So I want you to think about this question. Who is God sending me to raise up? Who has God put in my life to train? Who has God placed in my life to join me in being a disciple maker as I reach people in the name of Jesus? And I realize in a crowd that of this size, there are probably some people sitting here today saying, I know that I've been the prayer of someone else. Someone's been having spiritual conversations with me. And if you've come here today and you've realized I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, of of my life, I want to invite you to to start that journey, to make that decision. Uh, I'll be through these doors over here if if you're with us in person in Decision Point. And I'd love to help you in that journey. If you're joining us online, you can actually text Decision to the number that's on the screen. And we will start that journey with you of what it means to surrender to Jesus in this way. Or maybe for you today, you've come here and you've said, man, this community of believers, Northside Christian Church, I want to make my home because I believe in the mission that God has called us to and I want to join them in carrying out this mission. And if that is you today, I'll be through these doors. You can actually still text decision and you can make this church your home church family by saying, I want to be a member here. I'd also like to remind us that as we kind of close out our service today, there are ways to give towards this mission. 
Uh, There are offering baskets in the back of the room. There are ways to give online. And just know that we use these funds to actually help make disciples. It's the whole reason why we exist as a community of believers. But the worship band is going to be leading us in a new song. And it's a song that's called Send Me. But I love how the song begins because it's the answer to God's call in your life. It's a, it's a prayer back to him saying, here I am, Lord, send me. It actually comes from Isaiah. When Isaiah meets the Lord and he responds to him, here I am, Lord, send me. And I pray that this would be our response to God's mission in our life. Here I am, Lord, send me. I will enter the harvest field and I will share the gospel and I will make disciples, and I will form churches, and Lord, I will do this by raising up leaders continually, because I want people to know you. So as you sit and listen to the song, I hope that this is your prayer in response to God's call in your life. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.